0: well get your bibles out church Woo! and before we get into the word this morning i've got a new message this morning um I always believe it's good to give honor where honors due, and uh i know a lot of y'all in here know dr lex brown over here wave your hand doctor dr colonel colonel doctor um <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm really proud of him. He, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, how long has it been, Lex, since you've been going through the integrative medicine? Two years, two years ago, a little over two years ago, he called me, he was talking to me about some things going on. And and I, I just kind of encouraged him and told him, I said, you know, look, God didn't do all the things that he has done in your life to just, you know, forget about you now. And so he felt like the Lord, Encouraged him and, and showed him a way, and he just graduated. Two years he he's been in this program of integrative medicine from Arizona State University. He just graduated. His students all loved him so much. All the rest of the students that he was the speaker there at the university for his class. And I tell you, y'all give him a big hand clap, all right? That's a lot. I be, I believe in covering healing every every which way. And so, you know, Tracy said something about Wednesday night and starting uh, like we're having a healing school. We are. You know, we are. We're believing God's word is true. We stand on his word. But then, you know, a lot of times if you know, and I'm just going to say it like this. If you eat rat poison and you're praying for God to make you healthy you know, it just doesn't work. You got to have both sides of wisdom there. And so Dr. Brown is covering the other side of wisdom there and the word of God. And, and, and just, I mean, it's cool. If y'all have never met him today at dinner on the grounds, y'all need to go meet him, talk to him, him and his wife, Jeannie's sweet people. Well, she's sweet, but uh, <laughs> and, uh, and get to know them. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom there. A lot of wisdom. Amen. Amen. Well, turn if you would to 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4. The title of this message is to God be the glory. And, uh, I was reading cause see, I'm a week ahead of y'all on the plan. So I, I have to get the video done and everything. So I was, I'm a week ahead of you. And so I was reading Genesis 37, which is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, which is this week's plan. And, uh, man, I tell you something leaped out, jumped all over me. Uh, I, I, I'm going to preach off that this morning. You're going to get the, you're going to get the plan in, in full mode. Um, you know, if you've been reading the plan, I've been taking you through the Old Testament, just trying to show you some of the covenants, some of the promises, some of the things that took place in the Old Testament. We're going to, we've got a couple more weeks, and then we're going to uh, make a little change in that. But I want you to see the things that are going on. But there's a story in the Old Testament, the story in Genesis 37 about Jacob and about Joseph. And all the things that take place. And uh, I, I'm going to get into that in just a minute. But I want to start here in 2 Timothy 2.4. It says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. I just want to just let that sink into yours for a second. Anybody that's engaged in warfare is not going to entangle himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Whether you realize that I've been preaching to you for weeks now, whether you realize it or not, everything I preach to you, if you come to church, when you walk out those doors, the devil wants to steal what's been sown in your heart. He does not want you to believe the word of God. He doesn't want you to believe the word's true. He doesn't want you to believe the promises of God. He doesn't want you to believe that God's going to do anything. He does not want you to get into the arena of faith. Because if you get into the arena of faith and believing what God said is true, then God's going to be moving in your life because that's how it works. Just how it works. There's just no other way around it. That's how it works. God moves in your life by faith. Hello? Can I have an amen? amen? He moves in your life by faith. He doesn't move in your life because you prayed. Jesus said about the Pharisees, he says, y'all offer up prayers all the time, but the, the, the prayers base just out of reading a prayer said saying a bunch of words doesn't get you there faith moves the hand of god are y'all following me okay so so you can pray pray doesn't pray praying that's a new one we can write down in the robert richards dictionary praying it's a combination between praying and prayer yes praying anyway praying doesn't move the hand of god your faith moves the hand of god in a prayer Right. Well, so the enemy's trying to steal you. He's trying to steal the word Son. He's trying to get you not to walk in the arena of faith. Now he says there's another way that he engages you in this is getting you entangled with the affairs of life. Okay. Now all of us have to deal with life, and life is not always pretty. But we all have to deal with life. Okay. You're you have a job. You've got to go. You know, be it be at work. Do your job. Think about the things that are going on. You have your family. You have your affairs at home. But the devil wants to get in there and get you so focused on any problems, any issues, any situations that you get so entangled with it that you're not really fighting the good fight of faith. You're just fighting. And when he gets you focused on the problem instead of the answer, he's won. So. It says here in 2 Timothy, Paul's telling Timothy, he says, don't get entangled with the affairs of this life. Just, just live your life to please the one who enlisted you. Do you hear this? When All through the scriptures, when it says, seek first the kingdom of God, you know, sometimes we think, well, "What a, it's just like turning your heart to desire to please God. That's really seeking the kingdom of God. Whenever you want to please God, you want to raise your children according to the word of God. You want to stand in truth and honesty and integrity. You don't, you know, you you you, you don't want to be a a thief. You don't want to be a liar. You, you you choose to walk in the things of integrity and honesty and the things that that line up with the word of God. That is seeking the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Y'all with me? Okay. So now I want you to go over there to the story here in Genesis thirty-seven. <laughs> A story of Joseph here. And you say, well, I know that story. Well, I want to show you something here this morning that, man, I tell you, leapt off the page at me. I'm going to start reading verse 1. It says, now, Jacob dwelt on the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Cana. And this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad w- w- was with the sons of Baha'u and the sons of Ziphah. His father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now, you know, isn't that pretty typical? You know, you got all these brothers and they were a lot older than Joseph, and and here he comes in and he's tattling on what's going on. So, you know, he pretty much, the brothers just did not like him. It says, now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Now, he made him a tunic of many colors. And when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him, and they could not speak peaceably to him. And it says, and then now Joseph had a dream, told it to his brothers, and they hated him all the more. Years ago, I mean, we're talking years ago when I first got saved. I was at a conference, a youth conference, because I was a youth pastor in those days. And I was at a, a conference and the Lord dropped this scripture in my heart, Genesis thirty-seven five. Joseph dreamed a dream. He told it to his brothers, and they hated him all the more. But the point was, is that Joseph dreamed a dream. And I remember it, God just birthing in my heart dreams, dreams that I'm walking in today. This morning I woke up and I was so excited because we've secured the land in Kenya. We've we've purchased, we've we got money down on it. We secured it. Uh, I told the church Wednesday night that the the enemy tried to come in and already had somebody trying to. To get it out from under us and work a deal, and we sent money over and got that thing all secured and got it down. And this morning I woke up and I I sent a text to Bethany and said, "Hey, you know everything's secured, everything's cool, we got it right. Everything's." Right. She, she sent back, "Yes, yes, it's everything's good," because when I woke up this morning, I could hear children singing, and I just it was like I could close my eyes and I could see these children over there because we're going to be feeding five thousand children per week over there. I mean, per day over there, 5,000 a day going through there, getting fed, and they're going to be taught the word of God. They're going to hear the word of God. They're going to be, and I I saw these kids standing out there singing and rejoicing, a place of hope in the middle of the slums. And that's like a dream of mine. When I was a young man, I can't explain it. I can't, I I can't, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs of this. When I was a young man, I'm talking about like 13, 14 years old. I used to be upset during Christmas because I just felt like I wanted to give. I wanted to give more. I wanted to give. I used to dream about, uh, you know, in my mind, you know, sometimes when you have a dream, you're just, all you do is put it in context to what you know, right? It may not be the way God's going to make the dream come out, but you're just doing it. And so, you know, we always had uh, grain trucks around uh, the the ranch and hauling grain, moving, you know, whenever we're combining and stuff. And I used to just dream of like we could fill it up with candy and just open up the chute door and kind of raise it up a little bit and go through town and just like you're feeding cows just dump out candy to all the kids, you know, and I, I would put this in my mind and just dream because it was in my heart then to give, but I didn't understand it, didn't know what was going on. It was just something that was down inside of me that I wanted to give. I wanted to, to bless and I would get upset. Thinking about kids that didn't have any Christmas, and I was so blessed. My family was always big at Christmas and blessing me, and I felt loved, and I had a household that loved me, and 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 I would just grieve for that. And well, I didn't know thirteen years when I was thirteen that one day we'd be rescuing orphans around this world, that we'd be blessing people, that we'd be feeding all these children in Kenya, that we would be a, be a, a light and a blessing of hope in the middle of a slum. I didn't know that, but it was a dream. Something down inside of me that God was birthing. Inside of you, there's dreams. I know it. Each and every one of you, sinner here, there's dreams, I know it. I know that inside of you there's dreams, and I know that the devil has wanted to snuff it out. And over life and over just the hardships of life. Because I'm gonna tell you something. If anybody thinks it's easy to live life, I, you know, you need to come give me some pointers. Because life is not easy, life doesn't always go the way we think life's gonna go. Hello? But I want to tell you something. The dreams that God has placed in your heart, that's what this whole message is going to be about this morning. I'm going to show you a key to this. But the whole thing is what God has placed in your heart, I'm telling you, is about to come to pass. God's going to take you quickly and he's going to flip everything around and you're going to see things that you've dreamed about happen. Desires on the inside of you that you've dreamed about is going to come to pass and you're just going to say, wow, how did I get here quickly? Because I believe God is escalating things. I believe God is moving things along quickly. And I know that there's a church full of faith like you guys, all believe in God for the for the the things that are he's got in your life, okay? That you're going to see it happen. I hear people all the time tell me say, "Well, God's just moving them out here." Oh yeah, I believe it. I believe God's arranging things. I believe God's pulling things around. He's putting things in purpose. But what leapt off of me when I read this is this, and I never have even thought about it. I mean, Yes, I read it and thought about it, but I usually sing the Dolly Parton song "Coat of Many Colors." When I read this, the first thing pops in my head is Dolly Parton singing, "I got a coat of many colors, my mother made for me." I'm sorry, this is you know, like I said—you put things in context. I read "Coat of Many Colors," boom, Dolly Parton. But when I read it this time, because I was reading through it for the plan, and I read through it, and I got to when I saw a coat of many colors, God just, and he said, I want you to tell the church. And so I'm telling you that the coat of many colors, like, you know, I, I don't know what it was exactly like. And I, you know, you, you, nobody knows, okay? But it could, have been, it could have been woven colors. It could have been lines. It could have been patchwork. You know, I don't know. could have been hides that were dyed. I don't know. But he made this colorful coat. Now, you, it must have been different because the, than all the other brothers had because they hated him for it. And when they saw him coming with that coat, they hated him for it because it was a, a sign that their father favored him. All right? Now, just listen to this. God is so big. God is so great. He is so, so can do anything. That he has placed dreams that they all don't have to have the same kind of dream. We all don't have to have the same kind of giftings. We all don't, aren't created to do the same thing. God has created each and every one of us in, as unique people. The confession we're going through, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. One of a kind, uniquely designed for the purpose that only I can fulfill. God has created in each and every one of you a, a purpose. Folks, listen to me. He has created in you a purpose. Your purpose is not to just be a doormat for the devil. Can I have an amen? Amen. Your, Your purpose in life is not to be stomped on, kicked on, spit on. Your purpose in life is to do what it said over there in 2 Timothy to please the one who has enlisted you. Now, folks, I, I know this, you know, sometimes it depends on what kind of your personality you have. You know, this doesn't sound like, oh, yeah, you say, oh, yeah. But listen, if you do what God called you to do and fulfill your destiny and your purpose, no matter what it is. If you're called in this church just to pray for me, just to pray that Robert stays online. Oh, God, if your prayer is every day, God, just keep pastors straight. My Lord have mercy. I know it's a hard job to keep him straight. That's- I mean, I know it's going to take a lot of angels to get him there, but Lord, just keep him straight. And that's all you were called to do in life. And we get to heaven. Folks, you fulfilled your job. You'll stand right there with Billy Graham, with Isaiah, with Ezekiel saying, thank you. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You did what I called you to do. It's the same in God. It's not, you don't have to have done something big in the world, in the world's eyes to have accomplished your purpose in life. You just have to do what God called you to do. Oh, look at the person beside you and say, that sounds good. You just have to do what God called you to do, folks. You're uniquely designed for a purpose that only you can fulfill. Woo, I'm preaching good this morning. Making myself happy. You got to do what you called. And when you do it. All of heaven rejoices. All of heaven is so proud. All of heaven, man. So that each and every one of you, listen to me, nobody's left out. You say, well, I'm not called. God didn't call me. To do anything. He did. You're just not listening. You're not listening to the dream on the inside of you. You're not listening to the voice of God on the inside of you, calling you and saying you're supposed to, you know, be a light to this one person or, 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 or 10,000, 10 million. But he made this coat of many colors. He made that coat. And I want to tell you something. God is not limited with you, nor is your calling, appointment, ministry less than somebody else. God spends as much time with you as he does with the biggest preacher in the world. All right. Hear what I'm saying? God wants to fulfill the ministry in your life as much as anybody's great ministry. But are you going to be entangled with the affairs of life or are you going to get entangled with the things of God? You know, I was, my wife and I were talking the other day. We just had our 40th anniversary, wedding anniversary. And uh, we were talk, thinking about it. You know, it's, it's one of those anniversaries that's so far along we can't remember what happened 40 years ago. And apparently it must not have been real impressive. I was talking to my family members. They couldn't remember either. So, you know. <laughs> But it's sad when it's been so long that you can't remember, you know, what it did, where did we have the wedding reception? <laughs> Still up to debate. We've narrowed it down to two places. <laughs> 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 so we're kind of flipping a coin, you know. But when thinking back with all this, you know, I started, we start thinking of our lives. Because we were married before we knew Jesus. And then all of a sudden, one day we met Jesus and some people would say that I went crazy. There's some people would say that I lost my mind that I because I completely changed from the person and the direction I was going. And went, I mean, it's not even like 180. It's farther than 180. I mean, I went so far the opposite direction that some people thought I lost my mind. But we changed our lives into a a radical, you know, I didn't think it was radical. I just thought it was the thing to do. But it was a radical change from the direction I was going, 180 degrees the other way, to follow Jesus. And as we sat there and we talked about it, you know, we just laughed. We just laughed and said, man, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade all the hardship I walked through, all the learning of faith. Man, you learn faith when you don't have anything. You know, you're either going to die or you're going to make it. And that's the way we were. We were either going to die or we were going to make it. And we chose to make it. We chose to go to church. We chose to show up at church every day. We've been to church every day. We've been to church all our life. We're church people. I mean, I can't hardly believe it. We're these church people. I mean, basic, you know, I mean, I am the pastor. I do have to show up, but... <laughs> But this is my life, this is everything. this is I pour, we've poured our life into it, our family into it and everything because the radicalness of, of what Jesus did in my life changed us so that I mean I, you know I I, I I can't even think of pastors wanting to be a pastor for a career. It's ridiculous. all right? But as a calling of what you're called to do, then you know, yes, it makes sense. Well, Joseph here was living a dream and being radical in his dream, because he dreamed this dream, and if you read the story, I'll just tell you what it is, you don't want to take time reading. You know, he dreamed that there was all these, these, you know, sheaves, you know, like they stacked grain up, and it was all stacked in the field, and they all bowed down to him. Well, you go tell your brothers who already hate you that. That ain't going to go over too good, that one day you're going to be bowing to me. So daddy gets him over there and says, you know, I'm putting my own spin on this thing. Y'all can read it and get your own spin. But, you know, and then, then daddy says, hey, kid, you know, don't talk about it like that. You know, your brother's already managed anyway. You know, don't, 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 don't be going there. And so he dreams the next night. Then the sun and the moon, they're bowing down to him, representing his mother and father. So now daddy's like, you know, kid, you really need to shut up. <laughs> You need to keep those dreams to yourself. You really need to just keep it quiet because, you know, now you're messing. Me and mom going to bow down to you? What are you talking about? All right. So then, you know, so then Joseph comes out. His father sends him out to go see, check on his brothers. He goes out to see where his brothers are. And then they look out across the field. And here he comes, his old fancy coat. I never thought much about the coat till today. He comes out with his old fancy coat on. And his brothers see, and they say, you know what? This, you can pick this up in verse 23. He says, and so it came to pass that when Joseph had come to his brothers, they stripped him, Joseph, of his tunic. The first thing they jerked off him was his coat. The coat was irritating them. Hear this. The coat was irritating them. And I, I saw this, and I was like, Lord, that is weird. I mean, they got that, they jerked that coat off him right off the bat. They jerked that thing off him and threw him in the pit. They hated the coat. You know what the devil hates? He doesn't, and he don't like you. But what he really hates is the robe the of righteousness, the anointing, the calling, whatever you want to call it, on your life to walk and serve the Lord. That's what he really hates. He hates it and he wants to jerk your coat off. He wants to take it and disrobe you. He wants to to strip you of what represents your authority, your right as a child of God. He wants to demean you. He wants to put you down. He wants to tell you that you're nothing. When the whole time, the Bible says that when you were born again, that God robed you in a robe of righteousness. You don't see it on you here and when we think of robes, I mean, I try to convert it to dusters, right? I mean, doesn't that sound better than a choir robe? It's like I, the, when, I, when I graduated with my doctorate degree from the university, uh, they, they told me, you know, I need, you need to buy your robe. I say, I ain't wearing a robe. And they said, well, you have to wear a robe. I said, I ain't wearing a robe. I ain't going to do it. I mean, just send me my degree. I ain't going. But I have to wear a robe. I ain't going to do it. And they said, well, we want you here. You need to be here. We want you to say some words at the thing and all. But, you know, And I said, well, I ain't wearing a robe. So finally they said, well, what will you wear? And I said, I'll find a really nice duster. (laughs) So I did. I went to the cowboy store, found me a really nice duster, buttoned up, looked sharp, had my doctoral stripes sewed on it, and I went. I said, that's it. I'm not I'm not going in a robe. I said, you know, sorry. Women wear dresses. Men don't. Ain't going to do it. So I just pray when we get to heaven, our robes of righteousness are more like dusters <laughs> than choir robes. OK, but anyway, so you got that vest and we don't wear it around here. But I mean, like they gave me this robe. They told me to wear this robe and they put the stripes in me just like a military uniform so that it represented the office that I was going into. It represented something. Are you all following me? OK. Your robe that's on you that you don't always you don't see it. But it's there on you. The devil hates it. And he wants to strip it off of you. He wants to rip your robe off of you. He wants to. The first thing he wants to try to get to is your ministry. He wants it off of you. He wants you to feed it. He doesn't want you having a good word. He doesn't want you having a good word for anybody. He doesn't want you to speak the word of God to anybody. He doesn't want you to tell anybody that Jesus is Lord. He doesn't want you to have a, you know, whatever God's called you to do. He doesn't want you doing it. So the brothers took just They stripped it off of him. And then they... Threw him in a pit. You read the story, Alan, for time's sake, just go back and read it all. You're supposed to read this week anyway. <laughs> they look up and they see these Ishlamite, Midianite traders coming. And they said, You know, why are we going to kill the kid over here, leave him in the pit? He's worth something. Let's sell him. So they sell him for 30 pieces of silver. Now, if you go back and you study your history, those Ishlamite traders were. Descendants of Ishmael, which would have put them in the family of Abraham. And so, you know, they're like cousins. So God took care of Joseph because he came out. He was in a pit. He came out, but then he got back into the family, in a in a sense. Not direct family, but family descendants. Brought him back into the family. They take him over. They go to Potiphar's house. Potiphar sees this anointing on him. Now, he doesn't have his robe. Why? Because they ripped it up. If you read the story, what they do? They put goat's blood on it, and they took it back to his father and said, "Oh, and it, you know, he got eaten by a lion." Oh, isn't it interesting? Just hear this, hear this. It's a good part. The blood of Jesus is what's on your robe, and ain't nothing gonna steal your robe from you, even if the physical garment's gone, because the blood of Jesus is what's protecting it. And you can't lose your ministry. Because the blood is over your life. And the blood speaks, the Bible says in in Hebrews 12, 24. The blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The blood speaks and says, hey, hey, don't touch him. What are you doing? So the blood says, every time the enemy tries to touch you, he says, whoa, what are you doing? You messing with one of my kids. Don't be doing that. So they take him to Potiphar's house because, you know, he doesn't have the robe, but the anointing is still on him. Potiphar says, This kid's special. There's something good. There's something about this guy. Have you ever thought about, you know, how many people in life that are just weird? <laughs> you run across weird people? What if weird people just have their ministries going backwards? <laughs> it's food for thought. Because everybody that's on this earth is called to do something. So they took old Joseph out of the pit. He gets with family. He gets taken over to Potiphar's house. He doesn't have the robe on, but Potiphar looks at him and says, there's something special about him. There's something special about him. So then he goes in. So Potiphar gave him a robe because, how do I know this? Because if you keep reading the story, if you go from Genesis 37, 38's not that this gets kind of put in there, but 39, 40, and 41, they're all the story of what Joseph's life. You go start reading that. Wait a minute. He goes into Potiphar's wife to do the servant, the service that he's supposed to be doing. She says, Hey, hey, come here. And he runs for his life. He doesn't want to get entangled with her. And she grabs his robe. And so when servants come home, Potiphar comes home, she takes the robe. And uses it against him. Hear me now. This is getting really good. It's getting really good. So you see what the devil wants to do is he wants to get you entangled with the affairs of this world. He wants to get you so twisted and turned around that then he begins to use the ministry you're calling against you. He wants to take what you're called to do and he wants to turn it around and use that to steal it from you. Why are preachers always getting in trouble? It's not because they're all idiots. It's because they don't know this message. The enemy comes in and takes the ministry, begins to use it against them, use it against it, twist it and turn it against them, use what they're called to do against them, and then they fall. And then if they fall into oblivion and never rise, raise their head again, the devil can chalk one up to that's one less that he has to worry that anybody's going to teach faith or do anything by faith or get anybody going or the enemy wants to use your ministry against you. So you're called to have a ministry of mercy. You're called just to be nice to people and smile people, but you, you got hold of an ugly one, and they were mean, and they said ugly things to you, and they hurt you, and now you don't want to say anything to anybody anymore. And you're like, well, that's it. You know, They can just suffer. I ain't, ain't saying nothing to nobody. Keep my mouth shut. Last time I did, I got my head bit off, and I ain't going to do it again. devil just used your ministry against you. He disused your ministry against you. He just took the robe and said, uh, they're guilty of this. So what happens Oh, Joseph? Well, you keep reading, throw him in prison. Okay, now he doesn't have the, even the robe Potter gave him. Goes into prison. And the jader says, boy, this guy's anointed. I'll put you in charge of the prison. So all of a sudden now Joseph he's in charge of the prison. You see, you can't get away from what God has called you from church. You know, you 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 just want to draw back from society and you want to be a hermit and you dig your hole and you crawl in it. And the next morning you wake up and somebody's jackhammering right on the other side. He said, "What are you doing?" "Said, well, I got this piece laying right here and I'm living right here." And you're like, "Well, get away from me! I don't want anybody. I'm a hermit. I want to be alone." It's amazing when you want to be alone, how many people get around you? (laughs) Hello? It amazes me how I can leave and, and, and leave this area and go somewhere and try to just, you know, not, I can't blend in very well, but just try to not have any interaction with people. And before I know it, there's somebody saddles up beside me and wants to start talking, and I'm like, "This is not funny, Lord." <laughs> but you see, the anointing on your life draws people to you. You can't get away from the anointing. That's right. me, folks. You say, "Well, uh, you know, I'm not really anointed to anything. I'm not really, you know, I, I don't know." Your pastor, you're talking about preachers, stuff like, no, "No, no, wait a minute. Oh, forget it. If you're saved, you're born again. If you love Jesus Christ, if He's your Lord and Savior of your life." You're called to the ministry. You're called to be a minister and ambassador for him. You are called. I mean, that's the end of the story. You are called. How many musicians, do you hear the story? They're, They're musicians and they're great musicians and they get into, you know, whatever style of music they're playing, they get in, they just go away. And and then you start talking to them. Yeah, they were raised in church. They were. Part of the praise and worship team, and then you know they just c- couldn't stand anymore, and just went out there, and then they're singing. Rah, rah, come on, Jesus. and then sing, and then all of a sudden God gets hold of their heart, and then they turn around, and then they're back to singing "Amazing Grace." Right? Why? Because that anointing on their life—they were called to be worship leaders. But the, it was more enticing with the things of the world, and the money was in the world, and the, the exciting life was in the world, and they get entangled with the affairs of the life, and they go out there like that, and then as they get older and they reach that point, then they realize, oh, I want to go back. Happens time and time and time again. Well, listen to me. You're not going to get away from the anointing on your life. You're not going to get away from the calling on life. If, right now, if you say, well, you know, you've known it. You've fought it. You, just, you, you know you have a good word for people. You know you should have been teaching people. You know you should have been doing it, and you hadn't done it. I'm telling you, you're not going to get away with it, because today that message is going to jump on you, and you're getting called back resurrection life to be a blessing to everybody around you. So now he's in prison. Joseph's in prison. Jailer says, you're in charge. Then one day the cupbearer comes in, and one day the, 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 bread, the bread guy comes in. The baker. And so uh, they both have dreams. You know why they had dreams? Because they got around Joseph. And the anointing on Joseph's life got over on them. They started having dreams. And so one of them dreams he's back serving Pharaoh, and the other one dreams that birds were eating basket off of his head. It's a pretty easy dream to interpret. I mean, somebody was telling me that dream. I'd say, uh, uh, ooh. And so Joseph... Being the man that he was, doesn't want to talk to him, doesn't want to have anything to do with him, but he can't get away from the anointing. The anointing's on him. See, even in prison, even in the darkest place of your life, the anointing's still there, folks. The anointing is still there. That ministry's never going to leave you. It's never going to go off of your life. What you're called to do, no matter how much you run, no matter how you're not going to think about it anymore, no matter how much you're just going to say, I'm just not going to walk in that. No, no, no. It's there. You're hung. It's going to be there Always. So finally, Joseph says, yeah, well, I tell you, you know, you're going you're gonna to get out of here in a few days and go back serving Pharaoh, and I'm sorry, dude, you're going you're gonna to die. And sure enough, it happens exactly like that. When he's leaving the jail, Joseph's wanting to change his, his accommodations, and so he says, hey, you know, don't forget me. And he forgot him. And then what happens? The anointing starts going on. Pharaoh starts dreaming dreams. You see, folks, you can change your world because what's on your life can get over on everybody else and then everybody else starts acting like you. They thought you were crazy. Then they're just as crazy as you are. So now Pharaoh's dreaming dreams. So he dreams a dream. Nobody can interpret it. Cupbearer says, you know, there was a dude that was in prison. He interpreted dreams. Let me go get him. So he goes in. Pharaoh says, I mean, he couldn't have looked good, right? And, and he, he goes in there, and so he says, you know what? Tell me my dream. So he does. Now he's in front of someone that can actually do something to make his ministry happen. See, Potiphar was only thinking about himself the brothers were only thinking about themselves. The thing that really stops your ministry from coming about and really stops your ministry from happening is thinking about yourself. Selfishness kills your ministry. And the devil knows this. Potiphar, he is thinking about himself. The jailer was thinking about himself. But Pharaoh... Yes, in a sense, he's thinking about himself, but he's thinking about his country, his kingdom, about everybody in it. And he says, I see, I'm going to make you, if you go re- look at Genesis 41:40, 40. Go to 41:40. 40. I want to read it to you. Look what happens. Genesis 41:40 40 says, and you shall be over all my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Wow. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. He went from the pit to Potiphar's house, to the prison, but now he is in the palace in charge of everything in the land of Egypt. Wow. And did he do any politicking? Did he do any, you know, promotion to get the job? Did he do anything? Did he pull any strings? Did he do anything? No. He just... Let God use him for the ministry he'd called him to do. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. Here we go. And clothed him in garments of fine linen. Brought the brought his coat back. Brought that coat back and put it on him. Some of you today may have felt like you have been just the life of Joseph. You have been stripped. You have been forsaken by your family. You have been uh, had people turn against you, Have people lie about you, bound in prison, couldn't move to your left or your right. But let me tell you something. Today, God wants to take you into the palace. Today, God wants to jerk the filthy garments off of you. He wants to take you and clean you with the blood of Jesus, get your mind straight, get your thinking straight, get your heart healed, and get that robe back on you. So you can get back in the game, and you can start doing the ministry God called you to do. You know, one of the things that I see with sickness is sickness takes you out of the game. Because then you're always thinking about what's wrong. My confession has changed in life. I'm, I, I, you know, as I'm getting older and I can't do what I used to do, and I, I, I and I keep trying to do more, and and then I, it takes me a week to recover when I did more, and I, I just. You know, and I keep going on and I keep asking my wife, why is this hurt? Why does that hurt? Why is it going on here? Why is it hurt? And finally the dad said, you know, just forget it. I ain't saying another word. I ain't going to say one daggum thing no more. All I'm saying is whatever, I am going to live out the appointed days on this earth. Breath will not leave my lungs until it was my day. End of story. Body, shut up. Function like you're supposed to. I ain't going to listen to you no more. I don't care that you hurt. I don't care how I got hurt. I don't care why it's hurting. I don't care what I need to do to get it back from hurting. Bless God, I'm just going to go on. Just shut up and go on. I'm tired of listening to you, you whiny little sissy boy. I mean, I talk kind of ugly to myself. I say, man, I'm sick of listening to you. you no good. You just whine all the time. You whine all the time. When we were in high school, we were playing football and, and there was a, a, a young guy. He seemed to always like, I don't know, he just seemed to always say the wrong things. And one day he wasn't doing too good. And a coach jumped all over him. He was hollering at him and screaming at him and you know, what's the matter there? What are you doing? Why can you do this? And, and we'll never forget it. He was just sitting there and he just looked at him and says, It's my toe, sir. And everybody's like, what? It was like the farthest thing any of us could remember. We didn't know what was wrong with him. We didn't know what happened. I don't know. You know, he had something wrong with his toe. When he said those words, it stuck with me all my life. I've said that anytime time my body starts wanting to say, it's my toe, sir. I can't do it, Jesus. It's my toe, sir. So I'm tired of listening to you. You shut up. Just shut up. Because see what the devil wants to do is he wants to get you focused on the problem. Once you get to, you focus over here on the problem, then you're over here trying to figure all this out. Well, I want to tell you something, church. I would rather believe that the robe of righteousness was on me and I was going to walk in everything that God called me to walk in and I'm going to live out my days on this earth as long as God has breath in my lungs and I'm appointed to. And nothing is going to come short. And I'm going to fulfill every part of the ministry. I'm going to do what this confession says for this month. I am uniquely designed for a purpose that only I can fulfill. And I'm going to fulfill it. And ain't nothing going to get in my way. I'm not listening to anything else. I'm not, Lord, I'm going to do today what you call me to do. And that's the end of story. So all of a sudden, Joseph gets a robe of righteousness on him. Put on him. It's put on him now. And Pharaoh took his, he took his signet ring off, he clothed him in the garment and put a gold chain around his neck and had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried before him and they bowed their knees so they set him over all the land of Egypt. Isn't it funny that that coat of many colors, the father saw something. He saw something. He got into a coat and then the next thing they know, famine's in the land, they're all going to Egypt for food and guess who's in charge? Guess who's in charge? Do you realize I I name my own son Joseph because of a family name and because of this story in the Bible? Because I believe with all of my heart that this is a true story for all of us. Each and every one of you have a ministry. Joseph didn't do anything to fulfill it other than yield to the Lord and give himself to the Lord. That's all he could do. He just radically lived for the Lord. That's all you've got to do is yield. That's all you've got to do is yield. If you have a coffee shop ministry where you go drink coffee and talk about Jesus, glory to God. At work? At home? It amazes me that people always want to go do the grander things. And I'll admit, there was a point in my life, all I dreamed about, I wanted a tent. A big tent. I just knew God was going to give me a tent ministry, man. I was just going to be a traveling tent preacher. I just knew it. I wanted a big one, like a big top, man. Everybody come in. Man, I was going to just, man, we were going to have a show. But I had seen in my mind tent meetings before, and I just thought they were cool, and that's just what I wanted. One time in life, I got to preach in a tent. But most of the time, I, it's always what I thought. I always thought that's what it'd be. I never thought I'd be behind a pulpit at a church for 27 years. But I want you to know, all you have to do is yield, and God will fulfill the ministry. He fulfilled the ministry in Joseph, and he didn't do anything but yield to God. And so don't you know there were some discouraging days in Joseph's life when he was in prison thinking maybe God forsake, was forsaken him? I'm sure thoughts like that went through his head. But he kept worshiping God, and he kept going on. Kept putting one foot in front of the other. And some of y'all have gotten to a place where maybe you're thinking about standing still. And don't stand still. You're not going to move with God. Keep moving forward. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep going forward with him. Keep believing. Keep praying. And watch what God will do. Now, I want to leave you with one last scripture here. Go to Psalms 126. Psalms 126. We're going to close here. Psalms 126. 1. It says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Woo-hoo, they were like, oh, I can't believe you did it, Lord. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. See, I'm waiting for the day because one time Brother Ivan prophesied over me, and I've held on to it for years and years and years because it's something that is not like me necessarily. But I, I just think it's going to be cool because he said there's going to become a day in my life that I'm going to do nothing but laugh. That I'm just going to laugh and laugh and laugh at what God has done. And this is what I see right here. They were like, they, they're, they're, their, their mouths were filled with laughter and their tongues were singing because they're just looking around saying, look what God is doing. That's what I want to see. I just want to back up and everybody said, how do you do this? I said, hey, man, look, I don't have the slightest idea how this is happening. Glory to God. But it's happening. Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord has done great things for them. Everybody say the Lord's going to do great things for me. Come on, say it again. The Lord's going to do great things for me. The Lord's going to do great things for me. And we're glad. Amen. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams of the south. Those who sow in tears... We're going to reap in joy. Maybe you've been in a crying season. Maybe you've been walking around saying, it's my toe, sir. I can't do the work of the Lord. It's my toe, sir. I can't go and do it. I don't want to preach. I've got hurt heart because oh so and so was ugly to me. I can't do it. It's too hard. Maybe it's because you've been trying to do it. Maybe because you've been trying to do it in your own strength rather than just letting his power flow through you. Maybe you've been trying to make things work and make things go and make things do and so just backing up and letting Jesus do. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seeds for sowing, shall doubtlessly come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Do you see what it says? You got to keep moving. So you don't feel like praying. So shorten your prayer. At least say something. So I don't want to pray. Pray. Believe. Walk in the things of God. Get your faith stirred up. When I started in the ministry, when I knew God called me to preach and I was going into this, you know, I'm telling you, I didn't have anybody want to listen to me and have anybody want to listen to me. I used to get on my back porch. I lived in this double-wide trailer house, had a real long back porch. I would walk up and down the porch, just like I'm doing on this pulpit here this morning. I'd walk up and down the porch, and I would preach to the dog. This dog was faithful. He'd sit there. (laughs) (laughs) And just watch me walk the porch. I'd make him sit there. While i preach, I'd preach a sermon to him. Come on. Then I'd give an altar call, and I'd call him, make him come up, sit down, pet him. (laughs) You think I'm joking? I'm serious. (laughs) My wife was here. She'd say, yes, that's right. I'd preach on that porch. I'd preach out there. I'd I'd dream. I'd believe I was preaching to thousands. I'd believe the people place was full. Everything was out there. And I'd just be preaching, walking up in that porch, telling everybody to get saved. I'd practice going through a sinner's prayer. I'd go. I'd get them all. And like I said, I'd get the dog, make him go through the sinner's prayer, repeat the sinner's prayer, everything like that. Pet on the old dog, go out there, you know. And so, you know, I mean, I didn't have any audience but him. But I was believing God. Folks, you got to get the dream going. you got to start. I wanted to. Like I said, this morning when I woke up and I heard children singing, I got so excited. I got so excited that I've been telling them, I said, look, we'll do all this business in Kenya. We'll help y'all. We'll get that going and all. But I'm not going to Kenya. I told them, I said, that flight is terrible. no way I'm going to fly that long. And this morning, I was was willing to go. (laughs) I at least laid it out because I know if I have to go, the Lord's going to make me go anyway. So I just laid it out and said, okay, can we go first class? I mean, you're talking about like 17 hours on an airplane, boy. I'm telling you what, that just does not go good with my body anymore. But tell my body to shut up. Because I want to do what God called us to do more than anything on the face of this earth. I want to see each and every one of you fulfilling the ministry that God has called each of you to. More than anything on this earth. I want y'all to come through the door, and I'm already, having, I'm already starting to hear it happening. People are calling me and telling me that God is doing miracles through them. He's using them. And I'm hearing it and I'm just start laughing. I just start laughing. I just say, yeah, thank you, Lord. And I started of, remembering that prophecy. I'm just going to laugh. I'm just going to laugh. I say, man, that's great. <laughs> so if y'all see me just walking around laughing like a crazy fool and they think, well, Robert's not being serious. Well, just know I'm entering into a new phase of my ministry. The laughter, just having a good time, enjoying what God's doing. Amen. Amen. You got to keep moving. Got to keep going forward. Do not quit. Amen. Amen? So stand to your feet. Let me have my prayer team come down. And Dr. Brown, I don't know if you and Jeannie are on the prayer team, but I want you to come down here, please. Up front. Now, he's probably going to be mad at me for all the things that I'm saying about him and everything like that, but he, you know, he's going to have to get over it. But listen to me. If you're here today and your walk has stopped, you quit. You need to come get them to pray for you. You know why? Because one thing I can say about Dr. Brown, that he is a determined person. Who at his young age goes back to college, goes for two years and is ready to start another practice when he's already finished a whole career in the military and in the medical field you know how he got there? One foot in front of the other. How he got there was not running the marathon. It was putting one foot in front of the other and moving forward. Now, listen to me. If you've quit and given up today, I'm telling you, you need to stop by, let what's on him jump on you. See, now, just then I thought, it's just like I could hear somebody say, well, I don't know if I want all that. (laughs) Well, I guess you can pray for a portion. <laughs> Ask God to give it to you in portion. Okay? But if you're here today, listen to me, and you've given up on your in life, really, you need to be at this. You need to come up here and get prayed for. You need to get some encouragement. You need to get some, some zip back in your step. All right? You need a new pair of walking shoes so you can keep walking. If you... Or if if this message today has confused you and you're like, ah, you know, I just don't really know what God's called me to do. Listen to me. I'm going to pray for you right now. And all I'm saying is look at what you're doing already. Look at what's in your heart. Maybe you're just called to pray for me. That's great. Maybe you've been aligned and brought from, you know, wherever to here to pray for me. Pray for the church, pray for the family, whatever. I'm just telling you, don't count your ministry short. Grab hold of it. Grab hold of it, amen? amen. So I'm gonna pray generally over all of you. Prayer team's up here to pray with you. If you're out there listening or watching today and listening, if you've given up, rise up on your feet right wherever you are. Lift your hands and your hearts to heaven and cry out and say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to serve you with all of my heart. And I'm telling you, I know, I believe by faith that wherever you are, God will touch you right there. He'll speak to your heart. He'll move into your life. He'll bless you. He'll begin to show you things. And you'll start to see, just like Joseph did, that he went from the pit to the palace. And that's what he'll do with you. So grab that person's hand beside you. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray over every person in here. I pray over every one of those that have given up, I pray over every one of those that have been sidetracked. I pray over every one of those that have been entangled with the affairs of this life, that are not seeing, God, what you've called them to do, that maybe sickness has come upon them or or distress or divorce or whatever has happened in life that is getting them sidetracked. And I just declare, Lord, today that by the anointing of God that you begin to break those yokes off their lives. You begin to tear down those walls around them where the enemy has laid traps and ensnarement from you. Lord, you lead them out of that where they've been hooked or tied or caught. They, Lord, you break those bonds off of them right now in Jesus name. That they will fulfill the destiny of their lives that you have uniquely called them and designed them for. Nothing is going to get in the way. They are going to be like Joseph, Lord. They're going to grab hold of their coat. They're going to put their coat on. They're going to walk in the blessings of God, and they're going to see you move in their lives. Now, Lord, I praise you for it, and I thank you for it, and I declare that today is a new day, that today, Lord God, is a new day in our lives, and we give you praise for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Now, don't forget, today, church, we have dinner on the grounds. Have fellowship with one another. The food is blessed. Your time is blessed in Jesus' name.